privilege and honor it is to be tried by fire. Uh, we're called in this season, uh, many of us have been tried, uh, but look at you, you're standing <laughs> through the fire. Look at you, you don't even look like what you've been through. <laughs> Those of you online, these people look good in here. They just don't even look like what, I can't tell what you look like, but these people don't look like they've been through it. Come on, let's give God a praise after the fire. Well, Grace City, we are in the eighth week of our Mike to the Margin series. And last week, Dr. Hannigan told us there's power in the hope from Romans 8 and 28. And this week, uh, we'll be preaching on chapter 12 um, and shifting from doctrinal theology to practical theology in which the Apostle Paul says, put all of this now into practice. And so let's look at Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. Let's read it and together in your hearing. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing, perfect will. Our focus text is verse one. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Let us pray. You may be seated. Our Father and our God, we thank you, we honor you, we bless you for being the God of our salvation. God, you are the potter, we are the clay. Mold us, shape us, make us, break us to what you need us to be. Holy Spirit, we give you full authority. Minister through our minds, speak with our tongue, love with our hearts. In Jesus' name, we pray and all God's children say, amen. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. For the timeless mind this morning, I just want to preach from the title, The Power in Being a Sacrifice. The Power in Being a Sacrifice. The word sacrifice means to offer up to God something. But oftentimes, that offering is an exchange for something to change. In other words, in order to be a sacrifice, something must be an offering and something must be willing to change. In the Old Testament, there's an offering for sin, guilt. It was atoned through the offering of sacrifice, but it was an exchange for something to change. In Hebrew culture, the sacrifice were made because there was wrong that is done individually, but it impacted the entire community. There must be a sacrifice, an offering, and then a sacrifice there must be an offering, but there must be something willing to change. Great City, I'm last week we celebrated Memorial Day last weekend, and Memorial Day is the sacrifice that one has for one's country. One historical date that started Memorial Day on May 1st, 1865, in which it was started by a former slave in Charleston, South Carolina, to honor 257 dead Union soldiers 
who had been buried in mass graves and Confederate prison camps. They dug up the bodies and worked for two weeks, giving them the proper burial and gratitude for fighting the freedom. David Plott, the historian, argues that this day in Charleston started where we date Memorial Day. When I think about this and I, I, I reflect on this, I respect and honor the sacrifice that the men and women made. They went to the place where people were slaves and they went to this place and they dug the grave up, dug the grave, reburied them so they would have an honor, a place of honor. They dug up the remains, buried them in dignity and respect and honor for what they have done for others who are on the margins. You know, when it comes to people of color we, who have been marginalized through slavery, people often ask, why do we keep bringing up the past? Those of us who have benefited from those who have sacrificed their lives feel an obligation to let those who have been made the ultimate sacrifice to be honored and appreciated and respected for the sacrifice that they made. Great City, when we brush up against systems of racism and inequality and, and mistreatment of people on the margins, those who have been sacrificed and those who have sacrificed their lives for the fight, for that fight, Oftentimes, when that happens, it feels like they haven't had a proper burial. When one gives a sacrifice, there's no change. There seems like there's never been a proper burial. When the sacrifice there's offering is no change, it feels like those who have given their lives needed a proper memorial. Well, Grace City, the best celebration uh, we can give those who have sacrificed their lives is to go to the margins of life. Give justice, equality, and dignity and hope to those who are on the margins. Listen, Jesus was not just offering, but he produced change for those who were on the margins of life. When, I, when we sacrifice an offering doesn't produce change, we must dig it up until change happens. Jesus was not just offering a sacrifice. He offers life to, he offers change for the exchange. Let, let, me, let me put it this way. I love what the Bible says, what change, what do you mean, Corey, the change that happened? In Isaiah, he says, watch this, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of his peace was upon him, and by his stripes, watch this, we are healed. There's an offering and a changing because there's something powerful about a sacrifice. Uh, Paul said, God made himself to be no sin, to be sin, so that you and I can be the righteousness of God. There's an offering and a changing because there's something powerful about a sacrifice. John writes the words of Jesus. Jesus says, and there is no, no greater love than this, than one to lay down his life for his friend. Watch this. I call you my friend. Whoa, there's an offering and there's a changing because there's something powerful about a sacrifice. I come to tell you this morning that Jesus Christ offered his life in exchange for your life so that you may live. There's something powerful about a sacrifice. That's a plan to praise him right there. It's a good time to praise him. Well, in our text this morning, the writer Paul is writing a letter to the church at Rome. Paul spent 11 chapters on doctrinal theology. Paul has been teaching on God's redemptive act in Christ. Jesus in chapter, he's been telling them about Jesus through chapter 1 
3.11, his atoning work to reconcile us. This chapter, Paul, throughout the chapter, Paul talks about sin, salvation, sanctification, and even his sovereignty. Even, and Kristen Hannigan told us last week, his hope. There are things that Christ's sacrifice did in order for us to be redeemed. He met us at the worst version of our lives, and he was willing to save us. He was willing to give his life for you and for me. That's the God that we serve. I'm telling you, Grace City, this is chapter 12 opens up. But Paul says in chapter 12, it's time to shift from doctrinal, systematic theology to putting this stuff into practice. Let's, it's time out for all this stuff. It's time to practice what you've been preaching. <laughs> it's time to put what you know into practice. It's time to, to, to put your talk into walk. See, Grace City, we have, I've discovered that people are not lacking understanding of doctrine, but the problem is putting the doctrine into practice. The problem is taking what Jesus is teaching and being a model for Jack. Problem is not knowing what is right, but treating people the way Jesus treated us, which is he loved, he was compassionate, he was empathetic, he was merciful, and he was gracious. Too often we have a doctrine that says one thing, but our practice in a doctrine looks a whole lot different. Why? Because change, here it is, church, requires a sacrifice. So the question this morning is, if you don't see change, is it because we're not willing to make the sacrifice? Oh, y'all quiet this morning. And Paul said in chapter 12, opens this book with a therefore. Paul says, therefore, let me give you some theological disposition on how you deal with therefore. Whenever you see therefore in the scripture, you must ask what the therefore is there for. <laughs> and Paul puts this therefore there because he wanted you to know there's a shift. It's now time to put this thing into practice. And then he says, therefore, watch this, I urge you, uh-oh. Now, urge you means to persuade him or her to do something. It is, it is you doing the persuasion. But you're thinking Paul is persuading them to do something. But if you think when Paul says, I urge you, that he's doing the persuading, then Y'all are lost in translation. <laughs> Therefore, I urge you, the word urge here, Paul uses, is the word paraclete. He calls, the word paraclete means to call, to engage. It's where we get the Greek word paraclete, which means the counselor, one that comes alongside in the Holy Spirit. And John chapter 14, we meet this paraclete for the first time. In John chapter 14, Jesus says these words, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. In other words, the Holy Spirit is urging the church of Rome to do. Here it is. It is not Paul persuading, 
but it's the work of the Holy Spirit, Grace City. Grace City, to be a sacrifice requires the Spirit of God to move us in places we wouldn't go in our own flesh. We are always blown away when we see people make sacrifices. Sacrifices. We love movies of sacrifice. We'd be tearing up and crying and like go. We love that stuff, don't we? But I want you to understand that the secret sauce and being a sacrifice, it is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our guide. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. The Holy Spirit is our support. The Holy Spirit is the one that navigates our life. He is the one that advocates for you and for me. Great City, there's something powerful about being a sacrifice because the sacrifice offers and it changes. The first thing Paul says to the audience this morning, in order to be a sacrifice, you must, well, here it is right here, offer our own lives. Paul calls us to offer our lives. Here it is in the text. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. The first practical action step to putting our faith to work is to offer our lives. He just doesn't ask Roman people to sacrifice their lives. He gives them the basis for the offering. Here it is, church. Paul says, offer your life, here it is, in view of God's compassion, grace, and love that he's given you. He doesn't say present your, watch this, he doesn't say present your body as a living sacrifice in view of how you feel. That's not what his text says. He says, he says, present your body in a living sacrifice. What? He said, the view is not your feelings. What is in view here is God's favor towards us. In other words, it's hard to be a sacrifice if you're waiting on it to feel good. If you're waiting to be a sacrifice for God, the right feeling it's not coming that way. Paul says it's the urging, watch this, of the Holy Spirit here. And then he goes on to say, in view of the mercy and the compassion that God has done for you. <laughs> the doctrine goal is calling us to practice. In order for Jesus to save the human race, he sacrificed his life out of his compassion and love for his people. He says, offering yourselves in gratitude that was shown to you. Paul says, watch this, it is your reasonable service. Paul literally says, it's the least you can do. <laughs> in view of God's mercy and the unction of the spirit of God, it's the least. <laughs> That you can do. It's a reasonable service. Listen, God's respond to the human plight was, was to go to the penalty, and he could have he, he took the penalty and the punishment of sin, and, 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 he, and he removed it out of our lives. And he says the least thing we could do, the least way we can respond out of gratitude and grace, which is the beautiful word, what beautiful one of our daughters in ministry, charis, word means charis, 
grace and gratitude. It's to be a sacrifice. When we go to the margins and sacrifice our lives to help those on the margin, Paul says, church, it's just a reasonable service. Paul calls them to be a living sacrifice to one with grace and gratitude. Listen, this is the problem. Now, I know what the problem is. Y'all quiet. I know what the problem is. See, the Old Testament, they would give a dead sacrifice. Paul in the New Testament is calling us to be a living sacrifice. Let me tell you the difference between a dead and a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice can get off the altar whenever they feel like it. <laughs> That's the difference between the living. Whenever it gets uncomfortable, <laughs> I can get up off that altar whenever I feel like it. But Paul says it's your reasonable service and view of God's mercy of what God has done for Y'all, we still friends, aren't we? Come on, come on, clap for me. Y'all, we all still friends. I'm in the book. I'm in the book, though. I promise you I'm in the book. Paul describes this as an act of worship. Listen, when we come together and worship together, listen, we don't come to church just for the sake of coming to church anymore. It's an act of worship. Somebody new is here that needs to meet you and connect with you. It's an act of work. It's the sacrifice. It is a reasonable service. Listen, 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 listen. Here it is, my last part, because y'all tired of me, I know. Listen, God is not looking at what we make. God, this sacrifice he calls us is what he called us to be. In the Old Testament, watch this, church, they would present an offer. They would make an offering presented. He calls us to be the sacrifice. He's calling the church to be an instrument of righteousness. He's calling the church to be an instrument of justice. He's calling the church to be the instrument of holiness. This is not making it or making He's saying be it, church. <laughs> You know, there's a, you know, I, I'll tell you a story. Uh, one time and back in the day, I don't know if my wife even remembers, we were going to see her dad one day. And as we were going to see her dad, there was this crazy hailstorm that hit and it cracked her, her little white civic window. I'll never forget that. And we were kind of scared. But I end up hearing a story on that, about that same day on that hailstorm. I saw it on the news. And so it was a story of this woman and her husband were going for a walk but it was a little cloudy. And when it was cloudy, this, it, I mean, it, it, was, it was, so they were like, we're going to rush it. But all of a sudden, they got caught in a storm. And, in the, and while they were in the storm, this hail started coming down. And the hail was as big as baseballs. And so this man was walking with his wife, and all of a sudden, this hail started coming. And then the, the, the hail hit him in his face, and he began to shield his wife and protect her. He put his arms around to protect her. And the hail just kept humming and coming and coming. And, and he was trying to get her to safety, but all of a sudden he just, he just collapsed because the, the hailstorms were too big. He collapsed on his wife. And, and all of a sudden when the hailstorm stopped, the man had bruises on his face. He had bruises in his hands. He had bruises on his head. And this, 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 the hailstorm was so big that the television wanted to interview the wife and said, how did, you, how, did you, how did that feel to experience something like that? And the woman said these words. She said, every time I look at him, I see the scars on his head 
and the wounds in his face. She said, I love him even more. Talking about her husband. Grace City, I want you to understand <laughs> that woman and that man, there was another man named Jesus that when he saw the hailstorms of sin, he covered you and me. He took the storm. He took the beatings. He took the wounds so that you and I would be safe, that you and I would be free. Grace City, here's a question for you. Has the Holy Spirit nudged you to cover someone on the margins who have experienced the hailstorm of life to protect and help move forward? This Jesus example is a God who covers us, protects us, and keeps us. I love the way the songwriter closes. He says these beautiful words. He says, he was wounded for my transgressions. I'm not closing. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of his peace was upon him. And by his stripes, watch this, you are healed. It was an offering for change. There's something powerful about a sacrifice. Second point here, the first thing I see is an offering. But the second thing I see here, church, offering our lives, but then there is a change of our lives. Here it is in the text. It says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will, good and pleasing, perfect will. You know, J.P. Phillips has the best line of this. He interprets this scripture. Uh, he says, uh, do not conform to this world. He's interpreted it this way. He says, do not allow the world to squeeze you in a mold. In other words, don't allow the philosophy, the methodologies, and the strategies of this world mold you in something that God never intended for you to be. He says, Paul says, don't allow the patterns that is used. It is the word schemer. Don't let that scheme that's being used from a falling angel, a falling world, and a falling people to keep you out of becoming who God has called you to be. He says, be ye transformed. The word transform here is a beautiful word. We know that it is the word where we get the word metamorphosis, but I want to push it a step further. It means to change in appearance, to change in character, to change in condition, to change in function. It's a full change. Our sacrifice has to change people's lives. Jesus Christ's sacrifice changed lives, church. That's why he's calling us to be a sacrifice. A sacrifice takes a true offering that's about true change. When we're called to conform to the evil, he's called us not to conform to the evil ages, but to ultimately be like Jesus. You know, when real change happens, church, <laughs> uh, it's difficult to identify people outside of their brokenness. Because he, 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 tells, he says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
and this is what I've discovered. I can be changed, but people still have me stuck in my former condition. I don't know about y'all. Y'all can be cute. I've experienced that. <laughs> so you can have a transformed mind and people still have you stuck in that condition. It's really bad because I've even seen it in the Bible. Here it is. A man with an infirmity for 38 years. We don't know his name, but we know his condition. <laughs> A woman with an issue of blood. I don't know her name, but I know her condition. <laughs> the paralytic man. I don't even know his name, but I know his condition. A woman caught in adultery. I don't know the name, but I know the condition. Sometimes, even when God is transforming and made a sacrifice for you, sometimes people will keep you in that condition. I know I'm right, y'all. This is my last point. I'm getting out of here. Y'all mad with me. I, I know I'm right. I know I'm right because here, here it is. They did that to Jesus. Listen, here it is. Watch this. In John chapter 20 is where Thomas saw Jesus, right? But before that, he came to his disciples, and guess what? He's already died on the cross. He's been crucified. He's done the work on the cross. He has risen. He comes back to his disciples to show him that he's this transformed, changed man who have risen from the dead. And guess what? They did not recognize him. They didn't know who he was. Then they go to their friend Thomas and say, Thomas, we, they finally accept. They say, we saw Jesus knocked on the door. We saw Jesus. Thomas said, I'm not, I'm not going to believe until I touch the wounds, until I put my fingers in where his condition was. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to believe <laughs> until I touch and see where you was, the brokenness of your past. Can I, can I talk to some people who experience some marginalization in their lives? This is my point here. Church, you got to learn how to live until you can't be identified. <laughs> Woo, y'all just missed that. People want to identify you with your former condition, but you've got to learn to live until you can't be identified. Today can't even recognize, oh, girl, I didn't know that was you. You know how they do with the mask on. I didn't know. I'm talking about with the mask off. Oh, I didn't know that was you. Oh, your life has changed. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know. Live. Watch this. Until you can't be identified. Jesus' sacrifice allowed went to the margins to change people's lives on the margins. And now they can walk up and live until they can't be identified to their condition. That's where we have to be as a people. When you're sacrificed for someone and help them to live until they can't be identified as that title, this, that, that person, that person, or the X this or the X that. That is what Jesus did. That's the power, watch this church, and being a sacrifice. We've got to go to the margins 
and help those who are on the margins. A sacrifice is an offering and it's also changing. Amen. Let me pray for us. Our Father and our God, thank you for the word today. Thank you for, uh, for what you said to us this morning. Thank you for the offering you've made. And God, we give you praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.